Elizabeth Messer, and we're so glad you're joining us for this session, Lesson 5 in our study of Hebrews. In this lesson, we will read and discuss chapters 5, 6, and 7 as we learn about the role of the Old Testament priest and Jesus and his role as our great high priest. We give thanks that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The author of Hebrews writes this in chapter 4. We'll learn more about Jesus and his role as our great high priest in this lesson. Thanks for listening. to be with us and you know them, you know their heart, you know their heart even better than they know it, Lord. Um, we thank you that you um, see all, know all, that you hold us in the palm of your hand. Lord, would you just send your Holy Spirit now to speak through your word, to open our ears and our eyes and our hearts, to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, so how's everyone doing? I'm, I'm sensing just a little bit that we've been back on campus. There just seems to be a little bit of anxiety. Ah, a little bit of uncertainty. Everybody just take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. Um, before we get into our lesson that's about Jesus being our great high priest, um, I wanted to talk about the little yellow card that I gave you. Um, that one is actually for the last week, but I went ahead and give it to you now because I love this verse from um, the book of Hebrews that says, Jesus is the same yesterday, today. <laughs> Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I just wanted to make sure I had the exact word in right. Yes, and so the same God that was with you when you were a freshman and moving into campus that, fresh, that first day of freshman year is the same God who's with you now. He's the same God that is going to be with you when your time is finished here at Grove City. And so um, I want you to just think about that. And what we're going to do right now, the thing I love about working with this age is you have such a beginning and an ending point to your time here at Grove City. I want you to think back to your freshman, summer before your freshman year, and the things that you were anxious about or fearful about when you thought about coming to school, and the unknowns and the uncertainties about what it was going to be like. I want you to think about it, and I want you to think about one thing that you were particular. Now when you look back, you think, wow, I cannot believe that was so anxiety-producing. That ended up not really being as big a deal as I thought it was going to be, okay? 
So I want you to think about that, and I want you to find someone right by you, and I want you to talk, find a partner right by you, and talk about what that what that was, what that thing was coming into your freshman year that you were just so tied up in knots, couldn't sleep at night, anxious about, worried about. So think about that thing and find a partner and talk to your partner about that. You maybe could, yeah that you maybe couldn't see in the moment but that now you look back and see good anything else and th- those were things that were legitimate 
fears and anxieties. Like, I'm not trying to minimize those feelings that you had then. But I think it is interesting to look back on that time um, and to think about and to see how God's provided. And what I want you to do with your little rock is I want you to think of some way that God has provided for you. And it could be about those things that you thought about that were those big fears and anxieties and how God took care of that and carried you through that and provided that for you. Or, here you go. Um, or it, it could be something else just as you look back on your time and you think about how God took care of you. I want you to think about kind of one word that describes that. And I have these little metallic sharpies, and I want you to just write one word that's going to remind you, that's going to be a tangible reminder for you, so that you can take that little rock with you, and you'll have that as kind of like a little Ebenezer of, this is a reminder to me of when I was scared, when I was afraid, when I was anxious in that moment, that how God met me and took care of me in that moment. So think about if you could kind of boil it down to one word, and I'm going to pass it. So I have like maybe and you can write um, your word down to take with you because I think in kind of these uncertain times and these uncertain days, it's good for you to have kind of a physical reminder. I think as you look back on those things, you have those memories, you have those stories, you have those people in your mind. Um, but I think for you to have something tangible that will be a reminder to you of how God has taken care of you and carried you through that time, I think will be a source of comfort for you as we go into the season of unknown and uncertainties and, um, and even time after you graduate where things are unknown. So take your time with that as you pass those around. Um, and you don't have to share it with anyone. I'm not going to ask you to share it out loud. It's just something for you to take to be kind of a, a, a physical reminder, something for you to have to remind you that this is how God met me in those times of fear and anxiety and his promise that he's going to continue to be with you even after your time here has passed. Remember how we talked about in the last lesson that a change of geography um, doesn't equal a change in heart. Like the, um, the God who is with you here is going to continue to be with you after you go on. So I'll let you just pass that around <clears throat> as we go on and, and start in Hebrews. So our lesson today is lesson five, and we're talking about Jesus is our great high priest, which is something that I think um, we think of Jesus as being our Savior and our Redeemer, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But I think um, <clears throat> that Jesus being our great high priest is just not something that we always think about. It doesn't come to our mind very much. And, um, but it's very important. And remember that the letter to the Hebrews was written to the Jews, to the Jewish believers, to a Jewish audience. And that was something that was very, very important to them. Okay, so remember the context, too, of the audience that he's writing to. And I wanted to go back at the very beginning. Um, remember how we spent the whole first lesson just talking about these first three verses in Hebrew. 
And if you listen, as I, as when I read the introduction, you're going to hear parts where the author's going to talk about Jesus is the son of the most high God. He's the king of kings. He's the great high priest. And he's also a prophet. So let's listen. It says, in the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Okay, so he's talking about Jesus as a prophet there, that in these last days, God has spoken to us through his son, Jesus, and he's a prophet. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. That, you know, as I was reading over this today, that in itself was just comforting to me. Thinking about Jesus sustaining all things, holding all things together in the world that's kind of chaotic at the moment. After he had provided purification for sins, and so that's speaking to him as our great high priest, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, so he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Um, And I love this part where it talks about he sat down at the right hand of the majesty. So when he sat down, his work was finished. But the word that's used there, the Greek word for sitting, it's not a passive. His work was finished, but it's not a passive sitting. While he's sitting, he's sitting, but he's still ruling and reigning from that place at the right hand of the majesty. So don't think about it as a, as a passive verb. Um, think about it. He's ruling and reigning from that place. So he's the king of kings. So the part in this introduction where it talks about he provided purification for sins. That would be the work of a priest, right? And in the beginning of your lesson lesson book, I have a little bit um, from the catechism that talks about that Jesus is our, our chief prophet. He's our high priest, and he's our eternal king. And then also this verse from Matthew, okay, that we just finished Christmas not too long ago. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay. Now, these are gifts that were very unusual to give a baby. Okay. But they brought these gifts, and people have talked about that even though the wise men may not have known it, they represented those the threefold office that they're talking about. So the gift of gold would be for a king. Um, so they presented him with this gift of gold. He was going to be the king of kings. And then frankincense was like an incense. It was like a perfume. And we don't think about it. There's not many churches today um, that we're used to that use a lot of incense, but if you've ever traveled in Greece, like in an Orthodox church, or um, maybe another church, they call it smells and bells, like if you ever visit a church like that, but you walk in and you get this kind of whiff of incense, and um, it, it came from, it's always been associated with the priest, and it came from, in the tabernacle, they would have an altar of incense, 
and the priest kept that incense burning, and it represented the saints, uh, the prayers of the saints that were going up to heaven. So this idea of frankincense has, al- has always been associated with priest. So they give him gold for a king and frankincense, and then myrrh, which would have been like an anointing balm um, that you would use in a burial. So it kind of spoke to this kind of a prophetic gift about the kind of death that he would bring. So I don't think the wise men even necessarily knew that, but God is God. I heard someone just say, I was listening to a talk, and they were saying, God is a poet. Like, you know, he likes, I I think everything he does has purpose, and I think there was purpose in his gifts, and I think they even spoke to that he would be our great high priest. Okay, so let's look at Hebrews 4. We're going to pick up where we left off last time. Um, remember last time we talked about the Sabbath rest for the people of God. And so we're at Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. We're just going to finish that chapter. So does someone have that first verse? Okay, Hannah. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. Yeah, so your verse for this week. um, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way. So this high priest, Jesus, that we come to with our sins and our wounds and our brokenness and our hurts and our disappointments, that he, it says he's, it, it says he sympathizes. It's a double negative, but it says he sympathizes with those things. He knows what those things feel like. Remember when we talked in the second lesson about um, how Jesus was the son of man, that he came and he experienced everything that we experienced, that he was um, lonely at times, he was misunderstood, he was betrayed by his friends. He understands those things. He sympathizes with us. Uh, He was tempted in the wilderness. He knows what it it feels like to be tempted. Um, And it says, see also, who has Hebrews 2, 14 through 18? Okay, great. So this goes back to that lesson where we talked about Jesus being fully man. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing. So through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver all those who, who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he has been made, made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Yeah, I love those words that says he became a merciful and faithful high priest. Um, 
So how is Jesus able to sympathize with us or even empathize us with our, in our own temptations and weaknesses? How is he able to empathize with us? that change the way? Because um, if you go into the next question, why do we approach the throne of grace with confidence? How does this change your perspective on coming to Jesus with your concerns in spite of our own weaknesses? Describe the comfort that comes from this knowledge. Um, I think I talked about this last time, but you know, some people ask, well, why did it take Jesus so long to begin his ministry? You know, it, when he was 12, he was in the temple teaching other priests. Like, why didn't he start his ministry then? Why did he wait until he was 30 to begin his ministry? And, and some people say that he was learning what it meant to be a human. He was learning. Um, he was experiencing what we experience. He was... Um, going through all of those things so that he could fulfill his role as a sympathetic high priest. Um, and when I think about that, when I think about that Jesus submitted to um, you know, being here with us just so he could learn and empathize and sympathize with us. Um, so think about how, how does that, how does that comfort you? And you're going you're gonna to have time to talk about this in your small group. Um, more, but I want you to just think about that. What is the comfort that comes from knowing this is my high priest? Um, it's not someone who's far off, who doesn't understand, who hasn't experienced these things. It's someone who, who knows that, who is very close to that, and knows that, so we can come to them with confidence. Okay, the next part is about the priest. When we read um, in chapter 5, and I think for us, um, there's, remember, this is a Jewish audience that they're writing to. And so I think for us, it's a little bit hard to understand because of the culture. But you have to remember, um, the priests were responsible for the daily sacrifices in the temple. So every morning, the Jews in Jerusalem would get up. They would see smoke coming from this temple. They would see it in the evening. They would smell it, okay? It smelled like, you know when you walk outside and you think, somebody's cooking out tonight. Like somebody's, you know, somebody's grilling out tonight. You know that smell? Because what they would be burning in the sacrifice is they would be burning the fat off of these sacrifices. So it smelled like a backyard cookout, kind of, yeah. <laughs> and so you would get up and it'd be like, Oh, it's time for the morning sacrifice. You know, it was just so much. Talk about the book that we gave away, Sacred Rhythms. It was this rhythm of the morning there were the sacrifices and the evening there was the sacrifices. And so the writer of Hebrews is addressing that because now he's saying because of Jesus, you don't have to make those sacrifices anymore. Um, but that was so ingrained and a part of their daily rhythm that we're not really as accustomed to. 
But let's read Hebrews 5, 1 through 10, and it's going to kind of talk about the role of the priest. As you, as you listen to it, I want you to think about the role of the priest and Jesus as our high priest. So someone, I think, does someone have Hebrews? Okay, great, thanks. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, who was appointed by him, who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obeyed him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Okay. Great, so what I want you to do now is I want you to work together with a partner again, and we're going to kind of fill this in, and you can use this passage or anything else that you may know about the priest, um, that how, how would you describe, how are they diff similar, how are they different? Okay, so kind of work together and think about that, your chart there.
can work on filling it in together. So what are some ways that the Old Testament priests from the tribe of Levi were different than Jesus, our great high priest? What are some of the differences, some of the similarities? Yeah, we're actually going to talk about that next time. Um, Jesus, a better covenant, um, a better sacrifice. Yeah, that the the priest had to offer the sacrifice, but Jesus was the somehow he's everything. He's the priest and he's the sacrifice. I, I love the verse when um, Abraham goes up to offer Isaac and Isaac you know, ask where is the sacrifice and he says God will provide and he's speaking prophetically God will provide the sacrifice and, and that sacrifice itself is Jesus so yeah Jesus himself is the sacrifice great okay so anything else We're actually going to read about that in just a little bit in chapter 6. So how that that curtain that separated into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God, um, because of Jesus' sacrifice, is actually torn and we're able to come in and have that. Great. What else? Anything else about the Old Testament priests? Yeah, we're going to talk about that verse too. Yeah, that going all the way back to Aaron, you know, they were descendants. And so they would serve as a priest as a while. And some were good and some were bad. And you remember some of those stories in the Old Testament. But they would serve for a while and then what? They would die, right? And then their descendants would serve and then they would die. But we're going to talk about, it's going to say, Jesus, you are a priest forever, forever, an eternal priest. Good. Anything else? Amber? <laughs> You're pointing to Amber. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, they were both appointed, and so Aaron was chosen by God. Um, you were a descendant. They were set apart to serve in the temple, and so they were both chosen. I, I think of it as the, the Levitical priest, they were there to serve. They were kind of holding that place until Jesus, until the time was right and Jesus was fulfilled. So, but they were both appointed and chosen by God. Um, good. What about um, the number of sacrifices? So what were the number of sacrifices the Old Testament priests? Did they do it just once a year or? Right. Reduce the economy because it 
It was so many, yeah. And now, under Christ, it was like one sacrifice. Yeah, one sacrifice. And think about how hard that was for them. When our memory verse for next week, when we're talking about Jesus as a better covenant, as a better sacrifice, the memory verse is going to be when he gave um, one sacrifice for all time. You know, one sacrifice, that was it. So think about what a mind change that was for them to go from the burden of these sacrifices to that's it. You don't need to do this anymore. Okay, it's it's not needed. It's not, um, Jesus has made the way to God. He's the perfect mediator. Um, but the, the pressure that these believers were um, feeling to go back to that old way, and I think we talked about that, in a lot of ways, this letter was prophetic because in maybe, I think it's 10 or 15 years, the temple's going to be destroyed and they're not going to be able to give those sacrifices anymore. So he's kind of preparing the way. He's letting them know, it's okay, Jesus has done, he is the eternal sacrifice. He's the great high priest. You don't need to continue to give these sacrifices. They're meaningless. Uh, but it, you can see why it would have been so hard for them to give that up, to give up the tradition of that. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, Jesus as a priest forever. Um, the, the, they're quoting the Psalms there in chapter 5 where it says, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So who who is this priest, Melchizedek? You know, it's one of these crazy names you hear from the Bible. It's going to end up on some baby name list. You know, people are always looking for like strange, unusual names from the scriptures for their kids. So, you know, I expect somebody, you know, 10, 15 years from now to come back with little Mel, you know, at your side. And they'll have a little monogram blanket with Melchizedek on it. But <clears throat> who was Melchizedek? Um, we read about him in Genesis, and there's only two verses about him in all of the Old Testament. So the writer in Hebrews is actually going to write more about Melchizedek than we even had in the book of Genesis. So I think I gave someone Genesis, okay, is it you writing? Good. Genesis 14, 18 through 20. So who, who is this priest, Melchizedek? Okay, so that's all that we know about him in the Old Testament. And I, I just, you're reading that again, I'm just blown away. What does he come out with when he comes out and he presents to Abraham? Did you, did you catch that? The bread and the wine, yeah. This picture of what was to come, that just kind of gave me chills. But um, the bread and the wine. So he's coming out to meet Abraham. Now remember... Aaron is the brother of Moses. They're going to come way after Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Then Levi was one of the tribes. Then later on, we're going to get Moses and Aaron. So this is way before the Levitical priest. Okay, This guy literally comes out of nowhere. 
and he meets Abraham and notice that Abraham gives him a tithe. So he's showing honor to Melchizedek. So let's read what the, it says in Hebrews about him. Hebrews 6, 19. Does someone have that? Does anyone have that verse? Okay, I may have forgotten to give it, so I'll just read. So, can we, are you, do you have your phone? Okay. Let's see. Okay, so this is, oh, it's actually 6, 19 through 7, 10. Okay, so it starts with this last verse. Um, we're going to skip the warning part right here because we all, we had the warning before. We know, you know, don't fall away, stay strong. So we're going to pick it up here with 619. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary, what, what Lainey was talking about, behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. This Melchizedek was king of Salem and the priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. Which reminds us of the, the prince of peace, right? This is the king of peace. We know Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning or days or end of life, like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi, who become priests, to collect a tenth from the people, that is, their brothers even though their brothers are, described, are descended through Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descendant from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had these promises. And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by men who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. So he's just talking about um, Levi being a descendant, you know, coming after Abraham. But this idea about who is this guy? He appears out of nowhere without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days. Like that's so atypical of the Old Testament that usually we get introduced to somebody and you know they were begat, 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 begat that tells us who this person is and where they're coming from. This person just shows up um, without anywhere. He's a priest forever. So um, you can fill in what do we learn about this king of Salem, the, the priest of the God Most High. So complete this prophecy from Psalm 110.4. You are a priest, what is it, forever, in the order of Melchizedek. Jesus is um, in the line of those priests, an eternal priest. His kingdom will have no end. His priesthood will have no end. Um, so 
Okay, we've read this part. How was Melchizedek different from the Levites, the priest of Israel? And then let's continue reading in Hebrews 11 through 28. Um, after reading this passage, is there anything you would add to your chart, thinking about how Jesus is different than the Levitical priest? So does someone have that passage to read? Okay, great, Allison. Um, so it starts, yeah. Starting at 11, yeah. If profession to have been obtained through the Levitical priesthood, for on the basis of it, the law was given to the people, why was it still needed for another priest to come, born in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. He of whom these things are said belongs to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served in the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regards to the tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And what we have said is even more clear from other priests like Melchizedek appears. One who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The former regulation was set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope was introduced by which we generate. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his name. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins, and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for, once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak. But the oath which came after the law appointed the son Wow, there's so much there. It's so good. Um, yeah, I I love the the one part I want you to really think about. I mean, there's so much good stuff that's there. But this one verse, going back to verse 12, where it says, For when there is a change of the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. And so that's going to kind of set us up for next week when we're talking about the old covenant and the new covenant that Jesus brings. And I was even thinking about this. I didn't even, I didn't realize this until this year. And that is just hope to you that the longer you walk with Jesus, you still have these revelations that you're like, oh, I never thought about that before. But this year, um, you know, right after Christmas, how the readings are, are usually about Jesus' baptism. And it was talking about John the Baptist. And I thought about it for a minute, and we know that John the Baptist's father was Zechariah, and he was a priest. Remember how he goes in and he gets the word that they're going to have a baby? And so it made me remember, realize that John was actually in that line. He was, John the Baptist was um, in, the, in the line of the priesthood. I never thought about that before, and I was like, wow, that's such a great example of there's being a change in the priesthood that John, um, because of his, you know, belonging to that tribe, 
was set up to be a priest, but he had this different ministry that made the way for Jesus. It was a change in the priesthood. Um, that w when there's a change in the priesthood, there must also be a change of the law. Um, so he's saying there's, there's a new law coming, and that's what the next chapter is going to be about, the high priest of a new covenant that's coming. And so you can fill out these others with your group, and you can talk about it more about how Jesus is different. Um, the, sa the same as Melchizedek, but different than the Old Testament priest. There's so much richness there. You could study it forever and ever. But why don't I pray for us, and then we are going to sing, and then break up for groups. And next week when we come together, we'll be doing um, chapters 8 and 9 about um, the new covenant, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice, and the, and the blood of Jesus too, and how that was perfect. So let me just pray for us. Jesus, I love you, and I want to understand every part of your ministry in the heavenly realms. Help me to comprehend your unending role as my great high priest in my life, both now and forever. Amen. Yeah, so this week we're going to sing uh, Before the Throne of God in the back of your booklet. And Amber pointed out to me that... encouraged by that message. Please join us for the following lessons and be sure to subscribe, like, and comment on this podcast Elizabeth Messer shares on your favorite podcasting platform. Thank you.